Because it's time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studio. Right now. Now. Right here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics, Frickers, Warner Automotive, by Blanchard Valley Health System, Rotor Rooter, Big B Coffee, by Northwestern Water and Sewer, Wilson Tire, Grit, by MJ Brown Construction Company, Premier Bank, Campus Polyize, by Financial Design Insurance Agency, Snyder's Flooring Outlet, Ohio Automotive Supply, and by Seneca Millwork, Five Star Maintenance, and the Ropey Corporation. Three, two, one, let's hear it. Now, let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, along with Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you today. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Now down to our final show of this sports season. Matt, how are we doing? Uh, <laughs> a final show. What am I going to do for I mean, this, um, now we don't have that it very much is. So we will talk about the season it was for our area teams. Talk football, boys and girls basketball, along with volleyball. We'll have some highlights from those sports as well. We'll also have our superlatives that we will do a little later on in today's show that we've done over the last handful of years as well. We might not be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, get their Sirloin steak dinner, Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine-in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials are dine-in only. You can download the Frickers app, find them online at Frickers.com. So with that, we'll go ahead. We'll step aside for our first quick timeout. Then we'll come back, and we will recap the football season that was from 2022. You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. College basketball freaking heats up this year like never before. Frickers brings back a fan favorite, freaking street tacos that add to the drama that the tournament provides. Freaking chicken tacos, charbroiled chicken tacos, and Mississippi barbecue tacos. Frickers also scores with a 48-ounce personal pitcher of ice-cold domestic draft beer for only $6.50 all the games. Freaking street tacos, $6.50 personal pitchers, nowhere else but the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. 
Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, along with Classic Hits 96.7 WBV. I'm Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night, our final sports huddle for this season. We might not be at Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window at Dine-In or get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials, all Dine-In only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers.com. And we will be recapping and talking about the seasons for our local teams. So we'll get things started with the football side of things in football you know kind of a mixed bag for our area teams a transition season for some teams that have had a lot of success recently thinking teams like hopewell Loudon and macomb that each had to replace a lot from the 2021 season columbia they had to replace a good bit as well some teams had some talent and some success at different points in the season couldn't put it all together though you think of kind of liberty benton and calvert to different extents uh, Arlington, a pretty good regular season before a first-round exit. Van Buren, kind of a nightmare season for them as they look kind of heading towards uh, sort of a full-fledged rebuild type deal. What are some of the things you think of when you kind of look back uh, at uh, at this past football season? Yeah, well, it was strange. It, it was a bit of a transition season. Um, I mean, look at some of the things that occurred. Arlington, their first win against Liberty Benton, 20 plus which was remarkable. At home, we got to be there for that game. It was a great game to watch. Uh, us being able to travel to Ashland University for that game against um, for Liberty Benton versus Mogador, which was another good, entertaining game. Some really talented players in that uh, match overall. But again, it, it's, it was a transition. It was seeing teams that are traditionally top-tier, kind of middle of the pack at best, and teams that were, you know, Expecting the middle of the pack just completely falling off a cliff. I will say, one of the things I was interested in seeing, the more things change, the more they stay the same when it comes to a team like McComb. I mean, they started to get the injury bug, and all of a sudden, Andrew Swisher is their quarterback, and all of a sudden, they're winning nonstop, and they make a nice run until they run into a buzzsaw with that LCC team that they ended up going against. So, I mean, it's it, it's been an interesting football season to say the least. It really had been from top to bottom and a year removed from really one of our most successful football seasons in an area that we've had since probably the 2018 season when McComb won states where Kerry ended up winning the states last in 2021 going into 2022. But you had several teams making state semifinals and regional finals. This year we kind of kind of petered out right around the uh, regional semifinals or uh, district finals kind of thing when it comes to football. So a little bit of a down year, but you know what? 
a lot of teams showed a lot of talent that's developing. And I think you're going to have a much more competitive area in our coverage overall next season. There's a lot of good talent that's still developing and still growing. I really think there could be some good teams in the area. I mean, yeah, you mean you you mentioned it with, you know, kind of some early exits for teams. I mean, Macomb actually lost in the uh, regional semis uh, to that LCC team that then went on to uh, make it uh, make it to the state semis. But I mean, you look at teams like Elmwood, we expected Elmwood to be good. We didn't know that they'd be, you know, regional final go kind of toe to toe with uh, Liberty Center kind of deal for them, even with all the success they've had over the last few years. I mean, you you said it right off the top. We thought Macomb was going to be like maybe near the top of the league, but we certainly didn't see a future of Macomb winning the BVC prior to the season, even with, you know, the guys like Andrew Swisher and Braxton Althauser, some of those guys that they were bringing back because of all the guys that they lost, you know, those linemen, Eli Franks, Dylan Swisher, a couple other, those skill guys that had been, a part of Macomb since that 2018 team, those kids that just graduated are now no longer kids. They were freshmen on that state title team and graduated prior to uh, the 2022 season. So that was one of our biggest question marks. And, you know, same same kind of thing for Hopewell is they lost, they had to replace almost every starter from their team that had been good the last few years that had made a Final Four run. I mean, and they, they didn't go as far this year as they had, but... I mean, with Evan Crease back there, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the precipitous drop off we had anticipated when you had a quarterback like Ashton Bohr do what he did for those three years where he was at the helm. Oh yeah, I mean, what well, what you saw from those two teams, we'll stick with them for a little bit here. I I mean, Macomb, I'll be personally candid. I had them pegged it with uh, turnovers in their half, maybe six and four, seven and three. I thought was their ceiling. I didn't think they were winning. Certainly didn't think they did. Once they and Hopewell was an armor team. I mean, you, you see them lose basically your entire starting lineup, and it's like, okay, how do you really recover from that? Well, turns out they recover just fine and have a really good, stable program there. And I, I think that goes to coaching. I think that really goes to you know what the coaches can do for both those programs. They continue to build successful coach Algie and then coach Paltrulio, and they've done real good making those programs sustainable and consistently competitive and you got to see the results man Elmwood I mean my god we all thought Elmwood was gonna be good I, I didn't think for a minute that they were gonna go punch for punch with Liberty Center like they did that regional final game. I mean they really made a game of it it was not an ugly game by any stretch of the imagination so yeah there was a lot of good there was some bad there was some rough and you look at some of the teams in the area, there's going to be some transition this year in terms of conferences and stuff like that. That's really going to shake things up some more. And how that's going to reflect going forward is going to be probably one of the big questions because there's teams that are developing nicely, but they're about to move into either a bigger conference, a tougher conference, or having tougher opponents move into their conference with them. And it, it might make for some rough sledding, but at the bare minimum, you know, makes for some really good football. And like you allude to, still obviously early looking forward to uh, next season, but, I mean, you look at some of these teams, and, and the SBC, both Hopewell and Calvert should be really good again as they'll both bring a lot back from the teams they just had. 
Lakota is going to be improved from kind of a down season after a nice little run they had the year before. Uh, Cary, obviously, as we haven't talked about Cary a whole lot, but they've become, of course, one of the better programs in the area year in, year out, and just kind of ran into a Colonel Crawford team that was really one of their tough matchups, and they ha- saw them in the second round after a close regular season game. But BBC, they, they bring in Elmwood, so that's going to be interesting to see them you know, go up against the Liberty Bentons, the Macombs, the Arlingtons of the world because I can't imagine that they're going to go from – is, and I know there's going to be a talent to turn over for them a little bit. You know, guys like Wickard and Oliver are just finishing their senior years there. But, I mean, they've been this good the last few seasons, and they've been battling with Eastwood. They've been battling with Otsego, and they've each made, you know, some good runs of their own in the postseason. You're going to go up against now Macomb and Liberty Benton and Arlington, as I mentioned. I mean, they're not exactly slouches either, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, those battles at least over the next few seasons while we do have all these teams in the same league. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens with Elmwood moving into BBC. I think that is the big one. And I really think that's going to be the big one that ends up determining how the BBC is going to go is whether or not they're actually going to be not just competitive, but strong competitors at the top of the BBC, or is it just going to be more of Macomb and Liberty Benton before Liberty Benton rides out of the BBC in a year or so here. So that's, uh, Elmwood's a little bit of a question mark because they made a great run. They got some great players coming back, but they lost really, really key players. So we're going to see if they just rebuild or if they can reload. If they can reload, I think they're going to be right at the top of the BBC, but otherwise, they might be a middle-of-the-road team for a year or two before they really move up to the top. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. Before we go to a timeout, we'll have some football highlights from this season. Then we'll come back and we'll talk volleyball from the 2022 season here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios. Uzi trips out to the right side, one receiver to the left. Looks like it's, it looks like it's Ron back in a wildcat type formation. He'll cut it all the way back left side. Has his one man to get around, and it looks like he will at the 20, at the 10, at the 5. Touchdown, Calvert. Jacob Rombach from 37 yards out punches it in. Calvert adds on to the lead. And Lincoln Garlock able to come down with it on the near side for the Liberty Benton touchdown. Griggs goes under center, he'll drop back, he'll look to throw, has his man, Fenstermaker, into the end zone for the Arlington touchdown, 7.23 left to go third quarter. Still on a delayed handoff for Althauser, and he is off to the races, touchdown, Raxon Althauser, he'll strike from 23 yards out, McComb will get on the board first. Has a man wide open in Caden Russell, first down and plenty more past midfield, past the 40, and brought down just as he got past the 30-yard line. The McComb 35, we'll see receivers out to each side, they'll send a couple of tight ends in motion to the right side. Meyer in the gun, he'll drop back, he'll look to throw, he's looking for Harris, and Harris brings it in for a PG touchdown as he able to, able to work his way around Oldhauser for the score. What a catch by Harris, wow! Fourth and two for McComb, Woodruff under center, he'll hand it off to Andrew Swisher, he'll get into the open field and he will get into the end zone for the McComb touchdown from 24 yards out to put McComb on the board. Cinnamon in motion, Parker faking the give, he'll look to throw, he'll look down the left side of the field, 
and that is intercepted. Braxton Oldhauser will take it the other direction as he gets away from a couple defenders still on his feet, now gets to the sideline, and is still up and moving, getting into LCC territory, and will finally be stopped at the 41-yard line. And how about that from Braxton Oldhauser to give McComb a chance? Under fact to throw, and he will throw, and that is caught! For the touchdown, McComb will get that one in. Camden Glauser on the reception from Chase Woodruff. Empty backfield, Oliver lined up in the wing. Wicker drops back to pass, has some pressure. He's going to do a little dump pass into the end zone. Is he in? We'll wait for the official spot. Yes, he is for the touchdown. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Bigby Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you and her and him. You see, here at Bigby, we can customize our drinks for each person, dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced, or frozen. Bigby Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits 96.7, WBBI Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night for our final sports huddle of the season. If you missed any part of our show today or just want to hear some of our episodes from over the last few weeks, you can head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. And we might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers.com. We'll be recapping, taking a look at some of the seasons for our local teams, and we will now switch gears. We'll stick with the fall, but we will move over to the volleyball side of things and obviously we were very invested in the Calvert side of things as being their official broadcast partners but they fell a little earlier this year than they had in some of the past few seasons they fell in the regional semis 
in uh, five sets to Crestview, but you also had Liberty Benton making it to their own regionals on the strength of uh, future Penn State Nittany Lion Karis Willow, as well as doing so in their first season in Division Two, And then you also had Carey, who made their own regional run. They lost in the match right before Calvert. Mohawk had a good season. They were one of the top-ranked teams all year before they fell to Carey uh, in that district final. And uh, Lipsick, another team that had another really good season as well and were ranked in the top 20 in the state for most of the season in Division Four. So you, you still, even though nobody, uh, nobody got to the top of uh, any of their uh, divisions this year, still had a lot of good uh, volleyball throughout the area. Great volleyball this year. I mean, it was a phenomenal year for volleyball. Just it didn't end in date like a lot of us anticipated it would. But it was uh, overall an incredible, incredible year for volleyball. And certainly one of the better ones that we've seen because there was a very balanced year across the board. A lot of good teams were able to make nice runs and unfortunately had some surprising upsets at key points. But at the end of the day, you know, that happened. That's why they play the game. We had a very, very they had a very stacked volleyball season this year between Mohawk, Lipsick, Liberty Benton, Calvert, Old Fort to an extent, Fremont St. Joe even for a little bit there. I mean, it was it was a very solid year overall. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of good from uh, this past volleyball season. Like you said, it's that that's really that was the difference is that the seasons ended you know a little earlier than we thought. We thought you know at least one of those teams. Uh, between you know Liberty Benton, Carey, and Calvert, we thought at least one of them uh, would make it to Dayton in some way, shape, or form. But they uh, all all three of those examples all bowed out in the in the regional stage. But I mean, yeah, lots of lots of good things to look back at from last year. I mean, I think that's one thing kind of to note is there are teams that are starting to raise their level of competitiveness, and that's what we've seen. I don't know if that is entirely based on what we've seen you know calvert and liberty benton have obviously won some state titles over the last few seasons so i don't know how much that has played kind of an impact to some of these area teams to maybe up their game a little bit but you you can certainly see that you know northwest ohio at least in you know some of these other you know smaller area pockets they're not being the pushovers that we might have seen them be in uh, some years past no you're right they really haven't been pushed around this year you know what it's about time and I really appreciate, to be perfectly candid, while we made us think about Calvert's rankings or Liberty Benton's rankings at different times, uh, facts remain they actually did have a lot of teams in this region actually ranked. So maybe a combination of these teams are good. Maybe it's a good season. Maybe good year overall. Maybe talented group. But also just maybe they're finally starting to give recognition to this region for how good it is at volleyball, for how competitive it is year in and year out. This is really, I would make a compelling argument, one of the top flight regions in the state of Ohio for by a wide margin. So to finally start getting the recognition in terms of the AP polls, things like that, finally getting the recognition in terms of the all Ohio honors for their respective divisions. It, it, it's about time. There's still room to go with that, but it's it's moving in the right direction. Finally. And I got to give the the teams along credit, they they were not going to get pushed around this year at all. They were going to do everything they could to make sure that they were respected throughout the area. And we certainly we certainly talked about that a lot in especially November when we were getting closer and closer to uh, the possible uh, state matchups. 
uh, and and what uh, what those rankings were. And I mean, we had been beating the drum for for a while that Calvert should have been at the top of those ranks. And I, I we we were we were obviously vindicated, you know, at least in part negatively when Marion Local does end up or not Marion Local, but uh, when New Bremen rather makes and then wins a state title. But I think that that had a lot to do. Everything kind of just fell exactly how it did this time around. I don't think that necessarily indicates just where those teams ranked overall. I think had Mohawk played anybody, maybe anybody but Carey to win a district title, you know, aside from like Calvert or Carey or, you know, some of those other teams, they would have found themselves in the regional and they might have done better than Carey did, even though Carey won a set in that regional semis game. So it's not as if Carey didn't deserve to be here. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. It's just going to show the level of talent that is in this area that, like you said, is finally starting to get some of that recognition. And it does just go to show, yeah, you know, New Bremen, they might be the quote-unquote powerhouse of volleyball, and they very well could win this state title next season. But let's start seeing, okay, Calvert has done this, this, and this over the last few years. Mohawk's done this, this, and this, you know, the last season or two. Let's make sure we actually recognize those schools that it's not just a blip in the radar at this point when it happens, you know, a se- a several years or at least a few years in a row. Yeah, and I think Calvert's the biggest victim of that. It seems as if up until this year, the reporting community, the broadcasting community, besides you and me, obviously, and a few others in the area that get to watch them compete, it, it really seems like everyone was just patiently waiting for the, tr- the train to go off the tracks, for the rails to come out for whatever version of that expression you want, wheels to come off, whatever. Like, they just assumed it was this predetermined blip, this little freak occurrence where it's like, oh, it might happen for a couple of years, but then they're going to fall back to Earth. Five years in a row going to the regional tournament, that's not a blip. That is, you are a contender. You are a consistent powerhouse in the area. You've gone through a whole graduating class. You're going through a whole other graduating class. And they're bringing a ton of talented players to that program this year. So this coming up season. So I hope that trend continues, especially for a team like Calvert. And I hope it starts to continue for a team like Carey, too. Carey has been a regional finalist. Or semifinalists, they have been right in the thick of it year in and year out. And they just have the misfortune of usually being in the same region as Mohawk or Lips. And they're those two teams are just as capable, had great runs. But yeah, I, I don't think anyone's suggesting that Cal- Carey didn't deserve to be there. They're an incredibly capable team. It's just one of those things where again, they're kind of falling victim to that too. Really? Carey? Well, yes, Carey. Carey is put in a lot of work. They've built up a good program down there over the years, and they've been just as competitive as the best of them in the area. So, yeah, it's it's nice. It's really appreciated to see that they're starting to, as the cool kids would say, put some respect on their name when it comes to the region. But I think there's still a lot of work to go because there's still teams in the area that when they make a run, we all go, really? And we really shouldn't be doing that anymore. And as you also alluded to, 
next year it's going to be some more fun to watch calvert they have to replace they have to place a couple really good players including hannah miller but they bring back five seniors that were either starters or got a whole lot of time last year plus three sophomores that got some a good playing time as freshmen and they they always seem to have another player or two in eighth grade that you know can come up the following season and be a contributor and as you just mentioned carrie they made a regional run of their own last year and they bring bring back a handful of those players as well yeah and both should be very good and, and mohawk should be very good and lipstick should still be very good i mean everyone's replacing players it happens every year obviously this year a little bit more of a you know hall of fame class level replacement players but players like hannah miller erica jones are flopped out in mohawk and there, there's some tough names to replace, but at the end of the day, these are programs that have sustainably built themselves to be competitive, and I think that's going to continue. I, I think Calvert's going to be just as good as any team in the state of Ohio again next year. I, I would make an argument that they should go into it as preseason top five, if not top three, in Division Four. I mean, you have a ton of talented players coming back. Caroline Lanichek and Olivia Miller are the top two that come to mind right off the bat. You have a phenomenal setter, and you have just a dominant performer at the net and offensively coming back. You have Cameron Shook coming back, who really took the league off by storm last year. It's, there, there's so many good players coming back from that squad. They're going to be just fine, even though losing Hannah Miller is no easy task. It's two, two years in a row, you have to replace all-time greats at their position in the state of Ohio and Calvert history, Emma White, and then Hannah Miller. That's not an easy feat for any team to pull off. But if anyone can do it, Coach Rombach and that team, they're going to be capable of it. And Carrie, obviously, more are falling victim to it. I don't really have the names in front of me for some of the players that they have coming back, but they made a regional run for a reason. They're a good team. They're a talented athletic program down there, and that's going to continue. They not have the same big-name starters if they had – this previous year and previous years overall, but they're going to be a good, solid team. They've built a good, stable program. And it's about time to the same level of Marion Local, New Bremen, Coldwater, Fort Recovery, Fort Normie, those teams down there. It's about time that this region up here of Cary, Mohawk, Lipsick, Calvert, Liberty Bent, uh, you could even throw in Hopewell Lodge sometimes, Old Fort every now and then. It's about time they get the same level of respect as a region. And it seems like that's finally starting to happen. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. Before we go to a timeout, we'll have some of our volleyball highlights from this season for our coverage of Calvert Volleyball. And then we'll come back to talk about this past basketball season here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It'll be Claire Schoenberger back to start. And she'll start this one off with an ace, her second, if I'm remembering right, of her career. Freshman Schoenberger will continue to serve here for Calvert. St. Paul will set it up far side. Now by Olivia Miller. Schoenberger will set it up far side for Allie Porter. Turned out by St. Paul, and the Raptors will claim a point that time again for Calvert as they'll now lead to seven to nothing in set two. Schoenberger still serving here for Calvert, and that'll be another ace for the freshman as that'll be improperly dubbed by Elena Harrigan. Ended up actually hitting off of her face as well. Set up near side again for Emily Miller and sends it on the back line for the Calvert's kill and adding it now to a five-point lead for the first set. 
Check will be first to that one for Calvin. He's on the near side. And, and again, it'll be Emily Miller sending it over for another kill for the freshman. Man, the way she hits that, does that remind you of anyone else that's currently on the roster? Kind of like a younger, smaller version of Hannah Miller. But still somehow the same amount of rage and poise on the hits each time. Willow sent it over, but sent right back where it came from at the front of the net. That time Carly Meyer and Lanachek combining for the block. Blocked again at the net, this time again. The freshman Carly Meyer up front on the far side of the floor for the block. Calvert will retake the lead. Porter will dig it up, far side is set up for Carly Meyer, who puts that one down right onto the free throw line, part of the basketball court. And Calvert now just one point away from taking the first set. And the more still serving for Calvert. Carly Meyer will put that one right back where it came from for the good play up front of the net from Carly Meyer. Calvert will lead up to two. He'll pick it up. There'll be more near side for Allie Porter. Gets that one just in on the back line for the Calvert point. Still serving here for Calvert. And that'll be tapped over by Allie Porter after the accidental free ball up front at the net. Set up for Gurkin, blocked at the net, and perfect rock up front by Porter and Lanachek. Three-point lead now for Calvert. Still serving here for Calvert, diving save from Willow, and slammed right back by Allie Porter to add on to the Calvert lead. Yep. <laughs> Look, I'm supposed to provide insight on this. I got nothing. It's just an absolute runaway. And the runaway will continue as that'll go down as an ace for Allie Porter as the dig went all the way into the stands here on the near side. Oh, somehow able to get that over to Liberty Benson for the free ball. Willow back over and she'll get that one to drop in favor of Liberty Benson. But shout out to Cecilia Palm because she was diving all over the floor that time for Calvin. Cecilia Palm dove on the floor to get the dig in went airborne. She then went and still got it for the free ball. But very impressive. I'm go down as an ace for Cecilia Palm as it is dug out all the way right behind the St. Paul bench and 10 to 1 lead here in our set. That'll go down as an ace for Cecilia Paul. The Calvert Libero coming in following the timeout. Calvert will pick up right where they left off. Olivia Miller setting it over for the kill and does so in dramatic fashion as that one is just in near the back left corner. And Olivia Miller navigates that one on the far side to keep that one in for the ace. We'll add on to the Calvert lead. Tap it back over. The MOI special works to perfection right in the middle of the floor for St. Paul. Is Olivia Miller now back to serve, and she has the ace in style that time as we haven't seen her break out the high toss-up serve in a while. Sure worked out that time. Yeah, basically just knocked the girl on her, on her back on that one. My goodness. Do just that again and gets another ace as Calvert has dominant as they've been all year, a 25-4. Calvert on the free ball. It's at the far side for Cameron Shook, who puts that one down on the back line for the Calvert kill. They'll retake the lead. Near side for Shook and puts that one down on the back side for the Calvert points. Just two points away for taking second one. Sends it back over now over to Calvert. Far side for Shook, who puts that one down for another Calvert point. And the lead now up to nine here in the second set. Calvert will send that one over. Willow will dig it up. They'll set it up down the middle. Now find Palmer, set it up for Shook. And that'll be dug out by Willow, but that goes all the way to the Calvert student section. As Kate Nachbacher was the one who caught that with, uh, with some flair in the student section. 
Set up near side, a Cameron triple once again with authority on the back line for the Calvert's kill. They lead 9-1 here in the first set. Blocked at the net that time by Cameron Shook as it's back over to Fremont St. Joe. They'll end up having to send it over to Calvert on the free ball. They said the far side for Cameron Shook who puts that one down on the back line for the Calvert kill. They'll retake the lead. Digs that one up this time for Calvert. Down the middle for Lanichek. Gets that one down for the first Calvert point of the season. Nope. Slamichek just doing Slamichek things right off the bat. Great kill. Nice job at the net. tall. We'll figure that out. We'll do as, we'll do as best we can. It's, it's entirely possible. Lanichek now going back to serve for the first time this season. That'll be in on the back line for the ace. And, you know, Matt, because just of how the rotations uh, shook out, part of the pun here over the last couple of years, we really never saw Caroline go back to serve. No, this is a very, this is a new thing. This is a whole new thing. We did not see that too often. Send that one over. Now setting up for Lanichek, who sends that one Right through four. A uh, proper slam a check there. My goodness. Send up for Haney Wells, but Lana check right there at the net to send that one back where it came from. Calvert will take the point. So you pump the Calvert Lavero back to serve now for the Senecas. Wolf has to range over to save it. Han will end up sending it to Calvert for the free ball. Set up on the near side for Lanachek with some authority. Deflected a couple different times for the Vysic Orthodontics kill. Calvert again adds on to the lead up to eight. I mean, that was the Vysic Orthodontics slam a check to be more precise. To Lanachek for putting that one down on the near side corner for A slam a check. A good slam a check at that. Set up on the far side for Hannah Miller who slams that one down with some power to add on to the Calvert lead. Dug out by Lanachek, living north far side for Hannah Miller, whose cross-court attack will fall in favor of the Seneca. Hannah Miller's hit will be just in for an ace for Hannah Miller. Calvert's lead now into two. Send the free ball over to Calvert after the serve. Hannah Miller, left hand, able to get that one in on the far side for the cross-court kill. Calvert's lead up to 10 side, Calvert, another kill this time from Hannah Miller as that one goes all the way into the hallway. Shows the power you get from Hannah Miller. First to hit it on the return. So the far side, Hannah Miller, right in the middle of the defense. One of the more finesse hits we've seen from Hannah Miller. That'll add on to the Calvert lead now up to four. When Hannah Miller gives it the finesse, no one's prepared for it. No one is right there is expecting her to try and drill it through the floor. Sending a far side, Hannah Miller showing the power on that one for the Calvert's kill. Hannah Miller gets that one in even after a player tried to get out of the way for TC. College basketball freaking heats up this year like never before. Frickers brings back a fan favorite, freaking street tacos that add to the drama that the tournament provides. Freaking chicken tacos, charbroiled chicken tacos, and Mississippi barbecue tacos. Frickers also scores with a 48-ounce personal pitcher of ice-cold domestic draft beer for only $6.50 all the games. Freaking street tacos, $6.50 personal pitchers, nowhere else but the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. 
It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations. Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner, and I am the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and Body Works 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T dot training at gmail.com. Back we are in this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Cowman here with you this Wednesday night for our final sports huddle of the season. If you missed any part of today's show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our interviews and shows from past seasons as well. We might not be... Physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the Kara window, dine-in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials are all dine-in only. Download the Frickers app and find them online at Frickers.com. We'll continue our recap of the seasons for some of our local teams for the year. Now we'll switch things to the basketball side of things, and we will start on the boys' side for basketball. And, you know, kind of uh, kind of similar to football, it was a transitional-type season for some of these teams. You had Calvert, who had to replace almost their entire team from a team that had men- made a pair of regional runs while they were in school, a team like Columbian. They brought back most of their pieces from last season, and, you know, some kind of had that in-between of having some returners and then trying to fit all those pieces together, you know, the Liberty Benton, Hopewell, Arlington, Old Fort, et cetera, teams like that that really developed as the season went on. Kind of what are some of those overarching things you uh, think about when you look back at this boys' basketball season? Oh, well, first of all, it was also a transition year for you and me in basketball. It, it was. I, mean, I started the basketball season and went into New Year's Eve of 2022, kind of, sort of your color commentator and somehow by New Year's Day I play by play on WFOB question mark <laughs> it was a transition year for you and me both but just to go along with these teams and with these kids I mean that was that's a really just across the board you can really make an argument sports wise it was just a transition year that you had teams that were in the midst of starting to rebuild starting to regroup and then, especially for some of those teams, Old Fort comes to mind. 
uh, Hope Alive definitely comes to mind as well, where they just figured it out and then went full steam ahead. I mean, it was it was remarkable what we got out of those two teams this year when we were all anticipating them to be middle of the pack and kind of having a struggle in the post heel for Old Ford, especially post calling number one. I, I don't think anyone had them tagged as the you know, co-SBC River champions with, by the way, a Calvert team that basically lost their entire star power as well. It's, I don't think anyone anticipated that, that the top three from last year would still be the top three this year overall. And even more so, they'd actually be so close and competitive with turn that they'd actually end up tied for the conference title. So it, it was very much a transition year in that regard. You saw that in some of the other programs as well. There was a transition year for the boys' side of things. You had McComb kind of struggling a little bit, Van Lou. It was the last of the Clippers, and that's you, – you can tell by the end of the season they were just – they were out of gas across the board on that one. It's, it, it's going to be a lot of moving parts and a lot of new coaches. This year there were a ton of coaching changes that a lot of first-time head coaches or a lot of coaches getting their first crack at the head coaching position. Some of them, like, for example, Liberty Benton moving into that position, having already been a head coach, but not a, a, very much a transition year. Um, some surprises along the way. I, I think Fostoria was a pleasant surprise in terms of what they were able to bring to the table night in and night out and have some very talented players on that program going forward that are still going to be there next year. Hopefully, they'll still be there next year. Hopefully, the transfer portal doesn't claim them to other programs. But, no, it's very much a transition year across the board. But one of those years where it's strange, where the more things change, the more they somehow stay exactly the same as well. Well, and you, like you said, you got to really kind of dive in and see a lot of that uh, Fostoria team uh, doing a lot more uh, this season on the WFAB side of things for basketball. And I think that the the common thing that uh, when I listen with the, you and Tom on the games, it's like, you know, this team, they're pretty good, but the record doesn't show at all just how good this team can be when everything seems to be, you know, in stride and everything. I know they're going to lose a couple seniors that had some uh, significant roles uh, to graduation, but I mean, you, you bring back Jordan Ferguson, you bring back Carter Stokes. I mean, you bring back some of those guys that had very key roles uh, for the team this past season. What do you think kind of the future is, at least uh, for the Fostoria side of things for the next season? What kind of do you see kind of as their outlook for next year, knowing that, I mean, yeah, their record, and I know they were finished below 500, but, I mean, you take the pieces they had this year – with the season they had, you know, just if nothing else, getting all that experience and what they can kind of do moving forward. I think the important thing to understand is Fostoria was a completely different team. They were having a couple of winning streaks. If they were losing games, they were close, even against top tier opponents. I mean, really, so I kind of view it as if you can keep the pieces parts together, if you can keep this team intact, if you can keep this team structured the same way. Really, they're only losing only his friend from the starting lineup. And to be kind of candid, he's kind of replaceable with his own clone, Ryan O'Neill. They give you similar things on the floor. And very good players both in their own right. So it's a good thing to have that as you're not losing anything. I, I honestly think their floor might be 
a competitive winning record, I think their ceiling, they could make a run at the conference title, and I think they could make a decent postseason run. I really do. I think they have it in. It's just a matter of putting it together consistently for four quarters, not either getting yourself in such a hole that you have to play hero ball to climb your way out of it, or getting so far ahead that you take your foot off the gas and let the other team back in. So I think the future is very bright across story, especially on the basketball side. I think the combination of Mekhi Johnson and Jordan Maybe one of the most underappreciated one-two star lineups in the region in terms of star power and what they're capable of. It's I, I think they bring a lot to the table. I think Carter Stokes, once he gets his handling down a little bit more, he had a lot of turnovers on errant ball handling over the season. I think if he gets that down, he could be an extremely capable point guard for this program, and they got a great young player in J.C. on Tucker, who finally started coming alive towards the tail end of the regular season in the postseason. So, yeah, I think their future is bright. I think their future is very, very bright. I think Coach Loomis has them going in the right direction. I think they're very capable of making a considerable run next year if they bring everything together the right way. And looking ahead to next year for some of the other area teams, Opal Loudon brings back dang near their whole team. Most of Old Ford will be back. They'll lose a couple seniors in Majors and Steyer. Uh, Calvert, they will be back uh, for the most part. They have, you know, Nick Palm and Lee Morgan to replace on that side. But, you know, Liberty Benton and Arlington, they both will lose some seniors that were very key contributors, but they, you know, they have still some solid players coming back. There's still another Vermillion or two in the pipeline uh, for Arlington. Columbian and Mohawk, they're going to have some big shoes to fill as they both have to replace their all-time leading scorers in Logan Beeston and A.J. Hess. And, you know, Van Lu, like like we said earlier, they, they lose Klepfer and they lose J.R. Snook. And, I mean, you have saw, saw what they've done for Van Lu over the last few seasons to where there were games where it was essentially Jerome Klepfer and J.R. Snook, and they would find ways to win some of those tight ball games. Yeah, I think it's no secret. I love the Van Lu programs. I really do. Um... Maybe it's the old nostalgic factor in me, but I remember back, and this is not a back in my day, kind of back in my day play, but I, I remember playing at different levels when we would only have 13 or 14 kids on a team for football, when we'd only have seven or eight if we're lucky for the basketball team. I, I remember what those were like. I remember the type of camaraderie I had with my teammates and the just the feel of you're in this together. It's an us versus them thing. And that I always get reminded of that when I see Van Lu. I really do. And it's it's going to be tough. They have a very tough road ahead in terms of how they're going to build this program up now that all the Klepfers are gone. Coach Klepfer is going to have to replace all the Klepfers. going to have to replace Snook, who, uh, for my money, I mean, when you look at players in the area, there's a lot of great, talented players. J.R. Snook may deceptively have been the most athletic player in the region, but had the misfortune of being the Robin to Jerome, uh, Jerome Clutter's back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I got to imagine if J.R. Snook's on any other team, he's probably their number one guy by a wide margin just because of his natural ability that he has and just extreme athletic. But, no, for Van Luke, they're, they're going to be... I feel bad saying this. They're going to be in some tough shape. I don't see 
where they're going to be able to pull players from at the JV program or the freshman program. I don't know. We haven't heard too much about what's coming up through the junior high side of things. So it, to be very candid, it may be some tough sledding for a couple of years here again for Van Lu, which is a shame because they just came off of an incredible streak of good competitive basketball and game players of the year out of it in the BVC. So I don't know. It, it, it stinks. I make no secret that I actively am pro Van Lu just because I want to see them succeed as a super small market or VC equivalent of a small market team at the high school level. But it, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be really, really tough for them. I, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. It might be a pretty rough year next year. But if anyone in the area can get the most out of that team, it is Coach Club. So we'll, we'll see what the future holds for Van Lu, but they definitely have a ton of questions that they need to answer going into next season. And we, we talked about it at the end of the Hopewell game last week, but they bring they bring in the SBC. I mean, Hopewell brings back dang near their whole team. Old Fort loses a couple guys. Calvert loses a couple guys, and they were all neck at net, neck and neck the entire season. I mean, they all beat up on each other at different points of the year. It's it's going to be another dogfight for for next season because Hopewell also brings back Evan Crease, who was Player of the Year too. Well, yeah, it's they're they're bringing back Evan Crease, who's Player of the Year. They're bringing back Isaiah Perez, who's for who is probably one of the nominees for player of the year. They're bringing back Hayden Otterbacher. They're bringing back uh, Wagner for Calvert. They're going to have a great interior set of players there. If they can get some point guard and perimeter play to replace Nick Palm, they're going to be just fine also. It's there's <laughs> it's, it's really one of those situations where, again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The more competitive the area becomes, the more it somehow remains Old Fort, Hopewell, and Calvert in the SBC River. And I, I would expect to see the potential for New Regal to kind of creep their way in there. And if, if they can, that they can even better. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFB Classic hits 96.7 WBVI recapping the basketball seasons for this year just finished talking about the boys so we'll switch gears and flip over to the girls as you know lots of things to talk about on the girls side of things as well we we knew liberty benton was going to be good we we knew we knew that we thought van buren was going to be solid at the very least but kind of everything outside of that was a complete question mark because we certainly didn't see a league title coming for the Fostoria girls this season we didn't really think we were going to have Macomb making it to a district title game. Uh, same thing for, I mean, Van Buren and Hopewell. They came together at the right times. They were able to get th- themselves to some good good games. Van Buren lost in the district title. Hopewell able to make it to the regional semis. And first time they'd been back there since they had Michaela Elmore on the team. And, I mean, lots of things to look at from what we saw this season on the girls' side because, like we said, we, we knew LB. We didn't know for sure anybody else was going to be as good as they wound up becoming. Oh, no. I, I don't think anyone anticipated the seasons that we saw from Van Buren and from McComb, and especially from Fostoria. I think this was a really a coming-out party for Fostoria in particular. I mean, what, losing only two or three games the entire regular season and winning the conference? Don't get me wrong, it came to a very abrupt halt 
as soon as they made it to the postseason. But that was a team of sophomores and juniors. They'd never been that far. They'd never been in that position. So not really a surprise that they would come up short once they got to postseason time. But yeah, no, that that is that's a program that that Fostoria basketball, they really just across the board may be on to something special going into next year. And looking to some of the other teams that you mentioned, I mean Liberty Bent, we all knew they'd be good. And no surprise, they were good. They were very good. And they're still going to be good. They have some big names and a coach they need to replace at this stage. But I, I think one of the biggest surprise stories of the movie this was Van Perk more than anything else. I think that they've always been a good team, but they've always been one of those middle-of-the-road good teams. And to see them competitively, and then to make a pretty nice postseason run out of it, I don't think anybody anticipated that from Van Buren this year, especially new head coach, brand new head coach, young kid, uh, Jaden Tabler. We've we covered him as a player. <laughs> it's our first year broadcasting together. So the fact that he's now coached there speaks volumes to what he wants to bring back to the Van Buren program. And I think they're going to be just fine going forward. And then you look at McCollum, a little bit of steady as he goes because they've been good over the last several years, especially with the likes of Mallory Schrader here, but I think the development that you saw from the rest of the team this year in a post-Mallory Schrader world really speaks volumes to what they get night in, night out from Coach Her. So, surprising, yes. I I don't think it was terribly surprising for McComb. I think it was a big surprise that they made it all the way to the district finals. I, I think that caught everybody off guard. But outside of that, I think it was a very, very good season for those programs. And there's, there's, let's not even mention Carrie, who had a nice district semifinal run as well. There's been a lot of good teams in basketball this year for the girls' side. And I, I think those were the big surprises, some of the big, you know, headline teams overall. But there, there's, there's plenty to talk about on the girls' side of I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit for next year, but Hopewell, they bring back most of their team. Liberty Benton going to have a new coach with uh, Nate Irwin stepping aside, but you have two-time BBC Player of the Year Lauren Gherkin going into her senior season next year, so you've, you've got some talent there already. Calvert will be looking for a new coach as well. Uh, Van Buren, like we mentioned, going to have a couple key players to replace New Regal, Old Fort, both should be improved after some struggles throughout this season, uh, both injury and otherwise. And like we like we also said, Fostoria won a league title, and they'll have a couple seniors they'll have to replace. But, you know, they have Middlebrooks back. They have a handful of other players that are returning for a team that were able to win their conference. Yeah, they, they are going to be returning and be key contributors. There's no game around that. They're going to be major factors in the region once again, and they're going to be very, again, very much a key player overall. I, I really think Hopewell is another one of those teams that they they have a lot coming back. They're developing the right way. They're building the program up the right way. They, they think it's going to be a, a great a great season for them next year, too. They really have a lot of potential for that. Overall. I think they're one of those teams that you got to pay attention to right up there with Fostoria, right up there with you know, Liberty Benton, once again, it's there, there's there's a nice esh, top tier echelon of teams in the area right now. And it's big enough and wide enough that there's going to be plenty of teams that we can talk 
plenty of teams that we can look at, plenty of teams that we can look forward to as the season goes through. So, yeah, it's it. I think 2023, 24 is going to be a very fun basketball season on the girls' side. I think the players that are developing the teams that had got really good this year that are going to continue to be good next year. I, I don't think we stop at a district tournament next year. I really don't. I, I'll be very candid. I think there's a good possibility we can stop at a regional tournament next year. I think one of these teams has what it takes to get all the way to the team for the state title. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. Before we do that, though, we'll have some basketball highlights from this season, then we'll come back and we'll move on to our football superlatives for this season here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. To Zach May. May picks up his dribble inside to Wickard. Wickard at the foul line. Drives inside. Spin move. Hasn't given up his pin foot. Shot up and good. Nicely done. He stayed after it. By Hayden Wickard. My goodness. Very impressive play. Cross-court pass from Miller to Makai Johnson. Deep three ball. Nothing Ooh. but net. Kicks it out. That's to Makai Johnson. Around the horn to Carter Stokes. Traditional starters out there for Fostoria. Deep three ball from Makai Johnson. Again from deep. My goodness. Poked away by Carter Stokes. He's able to recover it. Gets it over to Ferguson. Ferguson with the slam. Ferguson looking to push the tempo. Drives up. Puts the shot in. Finally points on the board. Courtesy of number 22, Jordan Ferguson. Pass down to Nutter. Nutter shot up and good. As right now, both teams just exchanging body blows here. As Ferguson takes the pass, drives inside, kicks it out. Wide open O'Neal. Three ball. No good. Rebound going to be recovered, however, by Carter Stokes. Up and good for the end one. Setback three, Logan Beeson up and good with the foul. Logan Beeson, a big and one four-point play opportunity. Losing the handle, Rogo gets it to Beeson. Beeson from just inside the volleyball line. Gets it to go before the buzzer sounds. Finds a run back on the cut, bounces it out. Wide open palm from the corner and one with the foul from the left corner. Nick Palm gets that one to fall. Now to Stoner, wide open for another three. Up and good again for Isaac Stoner, the freshman. Knocks down his second three on the game. Extends Arcadia's lead back to five. Score, Hopewell the lead. Deep three, Jace Vermillion. Up and good from the left wing as a sophomore gets that one to drop, makes it a two-point game. It's a Vermillion. <laughs> there you go. As it was flung ahead by Kreese up to Yarbrough. Yarbrough, the floater from outside, gets it to go right before the buzzer sounds. Hopewell, the three-point lead at the half. Brady Kinn with it for the Red Devils. will hand it to Essinger, still over in that right corner. Now Essinger driving all the way down inside and gets Thomas in the air and gets it to go with the foul. And the big man easily able to absorb that contact for an and-one opportunity. From Essinger off the mark. Rebounded by Essinger. He'll fling it up. Gets it to go! will throw it into Conway who finds Doolittle on the cut who lays it up and in on the nifty little give and go between Doolittle and Conway. LB's lead back to three, 145 to go. Kin will inbound for Arlington with 5.9. He'll get it into Jake Vermillion, top of the key. He'll look to trap him. Now Russell with just one up and shuts it up. He gets it to the goal! And time expires! Caden Russell and Arlington storms the corner! 
for the win, 46 to 45, on a miracle turnaround shot from Keenan Russell, who had just two points before that shot. Fling it up ahead to Jerome Klepfer, and he will throw that one down with one hand and extend Van Loo's lead. Carson Conway in transition, throwing it down for Liberty Benson. See if that gives LB a little bit of a momentum boost for their first points in the second half. Now driving inside will be Sook, who throws it down over the top. Goes inside to Crease. Crease inside with the throwdown for Evan Crease as add on to the Hopewell lead. And Martinez actually comes away with it for Hopewell. Up ahead, Elmore. Elmore throwing it down with one hand on the transition flush. A five point lead again for Hopewell. Driving inside and laying it up and in will be Zoe Fruth on the left side with the right hand. Gives Van Buren their first lead of the game. Will pop at the elbow. Now back outside. Fruth the three up and good from the top of the key. Extending Van Buren's lead. Down inside. Loses her dribble out to Wrecker. Wrecker going to launch the three. And she'll knock it down from the right side. Don't see Kylie Wrecker take the three a whole lot. But didn't make the most of that chance. That time for Liberty Benson. Gets it to Irwin. Irwin for the three. And making it from the left corner does Riley Irwin for her second three of the night. Free throw from Gherkin that time won't go. Willow almost got the board. Gherkin actually did come down with it after that. So it will stay with Liberty Benson. Down inside to a wide open Addy Crow who lays it up and in. Adding on to the Liberty Benson lead. Gherkin picks it up and puts it back up and in 4-2 on the left side. Just like that, a 10-point lead. Hampton with it up top for Hopewell Loudon. 4.30 to go opening quarter. 4-2 to two the score. Hopewell trails, but with possession. Daniel three up and good. And Ashley Daniel puts Hopewell up by one. Brings the right elbow, almost losing the handle. Back out to Daniel. Bishop will launch the three. And that'll rattle on home from the top of the key for Olivia Bishop. Bishop way outside from deep, but catches it in from the right wing. Extends her lead back to eight. Everyone deserves a team of experts. Through Blanchard Valley Health System's membership with the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our doctors have access to the Mayo Clinic's knowledge, resources, and team of specialists. Our experts have experts, giving you the care you need close to home at no additional cost. For more information, please call 1-844-530-CARE. Blanchard Valley Health System. We're here for you. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right, they can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. We know what it takes. We've done it all. At Five Star Maintenance and Construction, we've built our crew on the foundation of dedication, hard work, and pride. Pride in a job well done that exceeds our clients' expectations and is executed with precision from start to finish. Welcome to Five Star Maintenance and Construction. We have been a leader in the industry of property preservation and construction management in Northwest Ohio. Each division of Five Star has a seasoned team to tackle even the most challenging property preservation and a dedicated on-site property manager for each property. Five Star Maintenance. We know what it takes. You deserve a more empowering banking experience, and Premier Bank is giving you one. Earn $200 when you open a new simple checking account, and you'll enjoy easy mobile banking, no monthly account fees or minimum balance, and surcharge-free access to over 37,000 ATMs nationwide. Then get ready to enjoy $200 worth of, well, whatever you want. Visit yourpremierbank.com simple200 to view offer details. Premier Bank. Powered by people. 
Offer valid through September 30th. Member FDIC. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic. It's 96.7 WBV. I'm Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday at our final sports huddle of this season where we've done our recaps, talked about football, volleyball, and basketball for this season. Now we will move to our superlative part of the show, and we will start with our football superlatives due to the various uh, best players that we saw across the board for the different uh, positions and teams, and we'll uh, go right along and do that. So we'll start We'll start with best overall football player you saw all year. Matt, uh, where, uh, where are you leaning for this one? I'm going to have to go with Swisher. Um, I really am going to have to go with Swisher. Uh, Andrew Swisher, the season that he had was nothing short of remarkable. They asked him to play just about every position on the field as a skill position for them this year, and he delivered. I mean, it was it, it was really a sight to see. It was really something to, to watch to see that type of overall talent. We haven't seen that for McComb really since Tanner Schrader. And what he was able to do during that state title run. And the, the fact of the matter is, McComb making the run that they did was in no small part due almost exclusively to Andrew Swisher and the games and the performances he was putting on. He, he put on such performances that made me, as tradition, question the validity of our player of the game award if you can't give it out more than once to a particular player. Because the fact of the matter is, Andrew Swisher was probably deserving every postseason week if not during the regular season as well. He was he was absolutely phenomenal. I would say he was the best overall player that I saw this year. So for me, I would go, there are a couple places I would go. I would say we need to mention Mason Oliver from Elmwood who won, who was a, was a first-team All-State guy both this year and last year, so we do, I feel, need to mention him. But another kid that we saw that was really good that I was impressed with was uh, Mason Williams that we saw at uh, Mogador in that game uh, up at Ashland against Liberty oh, Benton. Yes. He, I mean, on defense, if you didn't double team him, he was probably going to make the tackle. And on offense, they used him some as a tight end, mostly as a running back. And they would hand him the ball and he got, it felt like eight, nine, 10 yards of carry each time. And that was kind of how they were able to whittle down the clock in that second half. Uh, the way they were, so those those were those are obviously Swisher very good as well. But another uh, another couple players that I feel uh, we need to mention that we saw this year. Yeah, I completely forgot about Mason Williams. Yeah, he he was a sight. He was a sight to see. My goodness, um, he really was something special. I actually getting to see Mason Oliver play in person as well in that uh, game against Liberty Center. He he's such a good. He, he's going to be tough to replace at Elmer. He did a really good job. And the, just his natural ability as a runner, that's you don't coach that. You just have to either have it or don't. And he had it. He had it at that. So, so, yeah, two other very good candidates. I'd put them right up there with Swisher in terms of overall performance and what they could do. Best quarterback. Who stands out for you as best quarterback? Cool. Um, we have to go Garlock. I mean, I have to go Garlock on this one. I mean, just sheer volume on that one. I mean, how many times were they passing it 25, 30 times a game because he could do it? So, and you say him. Um, I'm tempted to say Jared Griggs, though. But Jared Griggs didn't play the quarterback position the way Garlock. Right. 
two very different styles. So I, I would say in terms of just passing style, Garlock. Overall play, I'd probably give it to Griggs, to be perfectly honest. I think what he did, he, he was a runner first, but then out of nowhere, Coach Vermillion said, hey, let's start passing the ball. And next thing you know, you find out Jared Griggs actually can pass the ball as well. So I, I'd say probably a tie between those two, giving a little bit of an edge towards Garlock in terms of overall form. Yep, I'm in lockstep with you uh, for that with Cam Garlock. But, I mean, between this year and what we saw the last few years of Grant Dishong, I mean, he doesn't uh, – uh, same same kind of thing for Cam Garlock. Cam Garlock's not that big either. He's, I think, just under six foot. But I mean, uh, Grant Dishong, he's he's listed at five nine, and you know those those the last few seasons have been some of uh, some of the best in the BBC. Yeah, I mean, they they were just phenomenal. Again, it's it's hard to say because we didn't I didn't get a chance to see Evan Crease in person. I know he's capable of as a quarterback, but. In terms of physically seeing them in person, yeah, it's, it's Garlock or Griggs for me. And it's it's a pretty wide gap between those two and anyone else. When we we did see we did see Crease a couple times, but those games ended up being running games or they ran into carry. True. I mean, that's the other part. I mean, we that that's actually a good point. They weren't just games where they turned into running slugfest kind of situations. So that, that's a very good point. So we didn't really get to see the most of what Crease was able to do, but no, it's, I, I think he'd be he'd be up in the discussion as well. Overall, just I really think in terms of overall quarterback play, Garlock was able to make a lot of younger kids bet this season and prime them to be very good going forward for Liberty Bet. And Jared Griggs was just everything you could ask for from that RPO and option. That coach Vermillion likes to run. On the running back side, it's not even it's not even much of a debate. It's Andrew Swisher for me. Swisher or Mason Oliver, I already said my two. I mean, it's there is no debating it in any way, shape, or form. Those are the two best runners I saw this year by a wide margin. And again, same thing as quarterback. It's not really that close. It's just it's a, so I Completely in lockstep with you, Swisher. I throw Mason Oliver in there as an honorable mention. Also, I will not uh, fine you because I needed to hear it a second time. You said Vermillion. You meant Josh McGrain for Arlington. You switched their coaches. I did. Thank you. Yes, that is a fine. I respect <laughs> that. Uh, receiver, best receiver for me. I would go. Uh, I would go Aiden Morris from from PG. He seemed to. Always come down with those those big grabs uh, between him and Colin Harris. They both did a lot of good things. But uh, Aiden Morris from PG, I, I think I'd go for him as the best receiver from the year. Yeah, I mean, there's some really good ones at Liberty Bet. I mean, Elkert is definitely going to be in the discussion in the near future, if not next year. Yep. Already from he he was as a just as a young kid, so talented. My goodness, they're they're really on to something special there, but. Yeah, it's it's Aiden Morris. He he was phenomenal as a receiver. You could make a good argument for Colin Harris. I that I mean he was also really good this season. But what Aiden Morris could do with the ball in his hands, once you got it to him, is what separates him from Harris, in my opinion. Harris is very good 
still has a great receiver. Aiden Morris was a touchdown waiting to happen every time he got his hands. So for me, I'm going Aiden Morris as well. Offensive line. Um, we did not see Luke Montgomery this year, but had we seen Luke Montgomery, this would be the Luke Montgomery Award every year. Um, but for offensive line, the Luke Montgomery Award going forward. <laughs> we might have to. Um, but for me, uh, Ryler Essinger from Arlington, I mean, he was the lead blocker for, it seemed like, basically every big run Arlington had uh, throughout the season. So he's he's where I would go for, uh, for my O-lineman of the year. I need to look up the name real quick because I am going to actually throw a little bit of a curveball here. Because okay. for my money, I actually think it was one of the linemen for McCall. And, yeah. That's the name I was looking for. I think it's Nick Bormuth. Yeah, Bormuth's a good one, too. I, I mean, Ryler Essing, a phenomenal season, very talented, but a run-heavy type of system. So you knew he was going to be pushing the tempo, pushing things as the primary blocker, the, the point of the spear on the offensive line. Nick Bormuth had to replace Swisher, had to replace a Franks. And I'd make a compelling argument he might be better than the two of them. I mean, 6'5", 255, he built himself up the right way. But his development as the season went on is really the part that stands out to me. Those first weeks or two, there was a big question mark. There was a question mark about what he was going to bring. But then as the season went on, his game just developed so much more. And, I mean, you look at him now, I make an argument he is easy, easy presumptive favorite for offensive and defense alignment in the year next year in the BBC. And I don't think it's going to be much of a debate if he continues to develop the way he did. So for me, Essinger is phenomenal. Very, very talented. Uh, Will Nutter, you can also throw in there as well as a very talented lineman. But for me, I'm going to go with Nick Warman. I think he is exactly what McComb needs on their offensive line. And I think he's going to be a big-time player for them next year. Then on the defensive side of the line, where uh, where would you look to go? Essinger. <laughs> Essinger took over games by himself uh, at the on the defensive line, and he is a big reason that defense was in the top two or three throughout the entire season. So I am unapologetically going Essinger on that one as my defensive line. See, I was I was gonna go Will Nutter just because I feel like we needed to reward him for one of them, so I've had him down for defense. And that's fair. I mean, Will Nutter was phenomenal defensively this year. I mean, he's another great, great, great talent on the offensive and defensive lines. He did a lot of good things for himself, so he's a good pick. I certainly wouldn't disagree with that one. Linebacker and I think DB. I don't think we're gonna have uh, a whole lot of debate. Linebacker. Andrew Swisher, DB, Jake Vermillion. Well, I'd make an argument for Montana Pierce, but it's not even a strong one. I would just say that Pierce did a pretty good job throughout the season, more of a lifetime achievement award that he gets best linebacker. But yeah, I'm with you. It's it's Swisher and Vermillion. The Sw Swisher is a linebacker that did more, almost did more as a linebacker than he did as a running back and cornerback for McComb this season. And Jake Vermillion, I mean, he took away a whole side of the field, night in and night out. He took away an entire side of the field. So for me, I'm with you 100%. It's not even a contest between those two. 
And then last one for just football, best coach or play caller? Where would you look to go based on what you saw this past season? Oh, I'm going to go McGrain. I, I think McGrain coaching that win against Liberty Bend when everyone knew they were going to run the ball and he comes out and passes it 20 times in the game. Completely disrupted the defensive strategy that Liberty Bend. I think you saw him do that a couple times throughout the season. I think he got the most out of his team. And he did it in a few creative ways. We saw him make some gutsy calls at different points that ended up panning out. So for me, I'm going to go Coach McGrain. Part of me wants to go Coach Algy, but he he followed the formula that he's followed for like 15 years in McComb. So he was a quarterback with that. Move a running back in there and just run the ball 57 times a game. So it's, he did good. He made great adjustments and stuff like that. He had a great defensive season play calling and being able to put personnel out there. But I, I think what Coach McGrain did this is phenomenal for this season. I think it really showed the depth of talent that he had and what that team was capable of and that he was able to bring it out of them. And for me, I would go a little different. I think I'd go uh, Coach Calatruglio from Hopewell. You think of you know, how much he had to replace coming into this season starting Evan Kreese as a new quarterback, even though he played a little bit as a sophomore when Ashton Bohr had some injuries. That was a very, very new team from the team that had been on the field the year prior. And, you know, the way they manufactured some of those wins, like they probably shouldn't have beat Calvert, the game they had against Calvert, but they were able to hang on and get that win by three. The way that they were able to neutralize Connor Smith from Gibsonburg in that last regular season game in a way nobody had literally all year because Connor Smith was one of the top rushers, not just in the state of Ohio, but in the entire country. And Coach Calatruglio found a way to keep him in check more than anybody else had all season. So I would uh, I would go Coach Calatruglio for that. And he did a great job. Too. I mean, really, once you get to these superlatives, there's really no wrong answer. And what he did against Connor Smith about what? Connor Smith finished, what, third or fourth in the country in this year? I remember I, I, I was around, I was going to say, I think it was around five, but I could be wrong. I was like, I, I know going into that game, he was like number two or three in the country. But, yeah, no, that, that was a phenomenal coaching job by Coach Calatruglio as well. And just for further proof of what he does every time he goes to a pro, he just builds competitive systems. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll switch over to our basketball superlatives for this season here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. 
College basketball freaking heats up this year like never before. Frickers brings back a fan favorite. Frickin' street tacos that add to the drama that the tournament provides. Frickin' chicken tacos, charbroiled chicken tacos, and Mississippi barbecue tacos. Frickers also scores with a 48-ounce personal pitcher of ice-cold domestic draft beer for only $6.50. All the games, Frickin' street tacos, $6.50 personal pitchers, nowhere else but the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Neil Armstrong waited 6 hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Hi, this is Dom from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night for our final sports huddle of the season. Recapped the football season, the volleyball season, the basketball season. Just did our superlatives for the football side. Now we will switch gears and go to the basketball side of things for our superlatives. So we'll start just like we did in football. We'll go with the best overall basketball player you saw this season. Matt, where do you look to go? Oh, oh man. Um, best overall basketball player. I'm, I know the answer is really AJ Hess. Just what he was able to do in that damn new game was just amazing. But I think at the end of the day, I got to go Evan Crease. Because Popo was able to hold A.J. Hess in check in that following game. They kept him really under wraps the majority of the game and very tight defense throughout the game. Whereas Evan Crease did everything he possibly could to give his team a win. And he did that night in and night out. He was consistently one of the most athletic and most gifted players on the floor, regardless of the matchup. So I'm, I'm going to have to go Evan Grease with, with respect and apologies to A.J. Hess and what he was capable of. I think Evan Grease did it more consistently. I think Isaiah is in that discussion. I think Nick Palm can be in that discussion. I think uh, Jordan Ferguson and Makai Jenkins are certainly in that discussion. But at the end of the day, I, I got to give it to Evan Grease. You are forgetting two very big names, and I know you saw both of these names. Logan Beeston from Columbian and Jerome Klepfer from Van Lue. And both of them were very good in the game that I saw for Columbian. He was maybe the second or third best player on the floor that particular night. He had a good night, but Makai Johnson went off for 28. Jordan Ferguson went off for 22. Beeston is very, very good. Game I saw him in, he was okay. He did a good job. Jerome Klepfer, extremely talented, but he was also, between him and Jair Stook, the only guys that Van Lue had 
So you would hope that he has good numbers and is talented, has a good season. So I, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Evan Priest. Best shooter. Where are you Best going? Best shooter. Well, yeah, AJ has put up seven or eight three-pointers in one game. But I'm going to take your lead when you mentioned the Colombian side of things. I am going to say Logan Beeston. Because I think Logan Beeston may have one of the nicest outside shots in the region. So I will say Logan Beeston, best shooter overall. My exact uh, phrasing that I wrote down was Beeston, everybody else fighting for second. That's fair. I respect that. Uh, de- best defender, best defender. Where uh, where would you look to go? Because I I had a few names that I was thinking of, but uh, where where were you going? Best defender that that's a tough one. Um, oh, that was a really tough one. Give give me a second here. This is this is surprisingly more difficult than I thought it would be. Um. <laughs> You know what? I'm actually going to go with uh, another Hopo kid on this one. I am going to go with Carter Yarborough. I, I think he may overall been the best defensive player night in and night out that we saw him. So I, I'm going to go Carter Yarborough as my best defensive player. I did also have Carter Yarborough down. Uh, we talked with him about how annoying he would be to go against, and we wholeheartedly agreed. And uh, other name I got down, uh, Cade Notterbacher from Calvert, because he could he could go step for step with guys. He could block shots. He could get steals. He could really do it all. Just didn't uh, have you know as big a season you know record wise. You know didn't get to the districts this season for the first time in a while uh, for for them. So I, I include Cade Notterbacher in that as well. Yeah, and he, he also was good. I, mean, I saw him a few times, a very good defender. Uh, what I liked is that he could defend both inside and out. That, that's really something that stood out to me, just the, the, the way the, the, the way Carter Yarbrough, and I'll throw another name out there, the way Isaiah Perez yeah. played the perimeter and played when people would attack, it's just next level. So I, I'd actually, I'm going to change up just a little bit, a tie between Carter Yarbrough and Isaiah Perez. Best coach. Best coach, where would you go for best coach? Pass. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That that's a tough one because I mean you had Coach Dunn and Mohawk put together an impressive run. Coach Jury just to do what Coach Jury does best. Coach Klepfer with very little in the cupboard, they were making a decent run, even though the record doesn't reflect it. Then you look on the other side, um you, you have Coach her making an impressive run for McCall. You have Coach Suter on the whole well, side. This is just boys. We'll do girls in a moment. Okay. Well, in that case, out of the boys, it's I'm probably going to have to say Jury. Um, I, I think Coach Jury put together a phenomenal plan this year, phenomenal team, and he did it while losing some big name players and some talented players. And I, I can also say Coach Hoover for Old Ford. He's got me in that discussion too. You lose the all-time leading scorer in program history, and you still win the conference. I, I just think at the end of the day, Coach Jury gets the nod because they made it further in the postseason than guys like Otterbacher, 
and Goomer. Yeah, I'm with you there for for Coach Jury just because I mean they they had a I mean they obviously were good throughout the season. They did have you know, kind of a little bit of a lull in December. They had, you know, the loss to Calvert. They lost to PG near the end of the year of 2022. They lost to Mohawk early on in uh, in the season. And they were, they were blown out by Mohawk the first time they played. And they were a move here, a move there away from beating them to win a district title. I mean... They were a bad foul call away from winning districts. I mean awesome. that 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 shows you just how much development they had from December to March. Yeah, and that's that. That's why for me it's Coach Jerry. I mean, you look at the growth, you look at the development. Still able to win the the conference, still able to win competitively, make a deep run, and I'll, I'll stand by it until the day they put me in the ground. It was a bad no call away from them winning the districts. That should have been a foul against Crease. You should have been able to go to the line to shoot two. If you're okay with having the other team go to the line to shoot two with eight and a half seconds left, you have to be okay with the other team getting to go to the line to shoot two with six and a half seconds. Just, I'm sorry, simple as that. And I, I, I feel the officials did a great disservice. And because of that being the case, that's why I would say, Coach Jury is the coach of the year for the men's side. Switching gears to the girls' side of things for their superlatives. And uh, I apologize to everybody who's not a Liberty Benton fan because I have a handful of Liberty Benton players as a part of this. And it starts with best overall player because it's, it's again, it's it's Lauren Gherkin. I, yes, it's, I mean, what I saw from Lauren Gherkin in the limited time at the start of the season versus couple of the games towards the end as well. It's, it is. I mean, I could make an argument for Jenna Johnson from Jenna Johnson or Larry Johnson from Foster and maybe Gariana Overton as well. You could make arguments for them, but all of them are just arguments about how far up the chain do they get before they get to Lauren. She is heads and shoulders better than most of the players in the area. And honestly, she's probably better than most of the boy players. And just in terms of her natural talent, her ability. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I'd love to give some love to the teams that I covered over on FOB, but it is 1,000% Lauren. And for also the best shooter, going to go with Riley Irwin, because, I mean, there were several games where just three after three after three that she was able to knock down and, you know, both her and a, a girl that I presume you want to bring up in Alicia Middlebrooks, I mean, both are very, very good shooters, but also can both be very, very streaky shooters as well. Yeah, and you know what? I was going to bring up Alicia Middlebrooks. She was going to be my pick even over Riley Irwin because while she started as a very streaky shooter, she changed that in a hurry. In the back half of the regular season, became one of the most consistent three-ball shooters in the area. So I will go Alicia Middlebrooks, but Riley Irwin just it's it's like a one A, one B kind of situation between those two. Best defender. Where would you go for best defender? Jenna Johnson. Debate over. She was averaging like six or seven steals a game at her peak during the season. And she was she was making offenses in transition look silly the way she was picking off passes. So for me, it's, it's Jenna Johnson and it's, well, like you said, having, having written down Jenna Johnson and it's a fight for second place. 
I would go just because obviously I saw LB more. I would go Kylie Wrecker just because she always was guarding the other team's best perimeter player, and she more times than not shut down that best perimeter player. So I would go that way for for best defender, uh, best coach. I think uh, I think you have a couple candidates, but I think uh, I think this is another kind of one A one B, maybe even one C situation. Uh, when you throw, you know, what Coach Her was able to do on the Macomb side, uh, Steve Suter with Hopewell, and, you know, with Craig Mintz obviously doing what he did with Fostoria, getting them a league title. I mean, any of them, I mean, are very much deserving for this spot. I think it's Mintz. I mean, I agree with you, Coach Her, with the, some of the coaches in the area. They've done a phenomenal job. For me, it's Coach Mintz. He took a team of sophomores and juniors and won the conference. And did so rather decisively, I might add. So for me, it's, I, I don't think it's much of a question. I don't think it's much of a debate. I think you turn a team around that quickly, almost an overnight turnaround. And it becomes a matter of, okay, there, there has to be something special going on there. And that's a combination of players and coach. And for me, Coach Mintz, definitely the top girls coach in the area. And it's, Coach is up there as well, but I think, Frankly, what Co- Coach Vince was able to do with this team and the fact that their position next year to be even better, it has to be Coach Vince. And then the last one that I want to get your uh, perspective on uh, is uh, athlete uh, most changed, uh, that's a senior, most changed from their freshman year. I have a pick if you need to think of one, but I was curious where you would go with this. Yes, yeah, give, give me a minute. I'd love to hear your thoughts first. So, so for me, I went, uh, I went Ryler Essinger from Arlington because I feel like we kind of, kind of knew he was going to be a good football player. He was a good football player, but him developing into a post player for the Arlington basketball team the way he did was honorable mention uh, two seasons ago. Was second team, I believe, this season. The fact that he went from you know just a football player, quote unquote, to being able to do everything he can on the basketball court. And I think he's also a pretty good baseball player too. So I would go, uh, I would go Ryler Essinger as a most change from freshman year to senior year. Oh, that's a good pick. Um, That's a really, really good pick. And I'm going to have to steal it. I mean, we talked about his development. That was a big story in my car to, throughout the season is his development as a big man and actually coming in and being a key contributor and being a major player on that team when you wouldn't expect that from someone like him. You just wouldn't. It's, you'd expect to be a big man. Okay, maybe do a few things here and there in the paint, but that's about it. And he completely developed his game from top to bottom. So I, I give a lot of credit to him. I give a lot of credit to Thane Rector, his coach, the JV coach and the interior coach for – Arlington, what he's able to get out of us is quite impressive. Very, very impressive. I think another person that you could put into that discussion would actually be Will Nutter. I mean, going back to those two, it's two big men that had to develop their games in different ways. And Will Nutter had to do it coming off the bench when he used to be one of the guys. So he had to go from being one of the guys just like Jorgensen had to sitting on the bench, coming in, rotating in whenever Donovan Elmore got the foul trouble or needed a fever. And he had to completely change his game around, too. Plus, he's got that moment. I mean, how do you not bring up 
that Will Nutter mullet. That thing is gold to anyone who sees it. Also, just, just so you know, you know he's only a sophomore. Who, Elmore or Nutter? No, Nutter. Really? He's only a sophomore? He's only a sophomore. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's very impressive. But again, the development still stands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, his growth and development still holds true because he had quite a few things that he had to work on. And it's, yeah, it's, wow. I did not realize that. Big thanks to everyone who joined us throughout this season for this year of the NWO Orthopedics uh, Sports Huddle. Stay tuned in on WFOB. We'll have coverage of the Cleveland Cavaliers in a few moments in their matchup with the the Miami Heat, but Matt, this will this will just about do it for for this run of the show, my friend. Yeah, yeah, another season under our belt. We're starting to get kind of good at this. Um, no, I mean this one's bittersweet. It's it's always a shame when it comes to the close, but you know we had a great season, phenomenal broadcast season. We had so many good players, so many fun opportunities, so many exciting games, so many fun moments that we all got to experience. I mean. You couldn't have asked for a better season overall. I mean, you could have by having one of the teams make a state title run. That always helps. But even without that, we, we had some phenomenal games, had some great coverage. A lot of teams developed. A lot of teams really grew up before our eyes. And we, we got to see some great sports, some great high school sports. And more importantly, at the end of the day, and this is where I always come back to, seeing the communities rally around these kids and just watching these kids have I mean, they, so much of this was them having fun really makes the difference year in and year out at the high school level. So seeing them have fun, play the games the right way, do everything the right way, you can't ask for anything more. Stay tuned in to our social media pages, websites, see if we have anything coming up for later this year, whether we get the chance to do any spring sports, uh, more content, uh, maybe some Lance and Matt Puss this off season yet again. Ooh, season three, huh? Season three, why not? And maybe we'll get some what ifs that you promised us for a year. Hey, you know what? I'm in off season, so I have the time. <laughs> for my broadcast partner Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle for the final time this season. Thank you for listening to us all season long. We have a few. Uh, funny moments uh, before we completely go away. But thank you again for listening. Have a great rest of your night, everybody. Sadly, even though they risked it, they do come away without a biscuit. That's a shame. It is a shame. It's going to be weird not having him as a coach with Bruce Arians. I'm going to have to come up with a new thing to say. Wow. I can't believe it. What what are you going to do? Man, I You have to think of something. You know, the, the sarcasm and the snark that's attached to that tone, not necessarily appreciated. You can't set me up that easy. It might be week one, but I'm getting that one every time. Porter has others had himself quite the night thus far as he's got six points already, but above his average of four. I mean, look, the Mohawk game is strong, so is the postseason game. That's how it works. You have a Mohawk like that. You mean the mullet? Oh, I'm sorry, the mullet. Thank you. That's Thank a fine. You. That is a fine. I'm okay with that. The mullet game is strong, therefore his postseason game is strong, that's just how it works.